0: What if I said that there's a virus genome remnant in your DNA? Hey everyone, I welcome you all to a new episode of Gene Talk. This is an initiative taken up by the second year students from the Department of Biotechnology, Ferguson College for BTH2302 and we promise you to bring weekly podcasts on intriguing topics from the molecular biology world. The hosts for today are I, Mithila Kaspe I, Mudra Pandey and I, Divya Bhadwaj. For today's subject Retroviruses, we'll be talking about a family of viruses that defy the central dogma of molecular biology. We'll delve into the life cycle of this nefarious virus and see what features give it the identity of
1: a rebel against the stipulated rules. The pandemic situation restricting us between Netflix and the bed caused by SARS-CoV-2 makes sure that everyone knows what a virus is. However, Few may be acquainted with the idea that there are more than one type of a virus and that are classified on the basis of their viral genome. The retroviruses are one of these types.
2: These bad boys were first discovered by Howard Temin and David Baltimore in 1972. Them being distinct and peculiar is due to their use of a special mechanism called reverse transcription or Teminism. Instead of converting DNA to RNA, as is done in normal transcription, they convert their RNA genome into DNA and insert it into the host genome, thereby integrating the two. This accounts for the reason why these viruses are so tenacious and hard to get rid of without killing the host cell. These guys are pretty infamous, you must have heard of them. One prevalent example being the HIV, which is responsible for the deadly AIDS. Now let's dive into the detailed and complicated replication strategies of the retroviral infections.
1: A retrovirus is pretty sophisticated and likes to infiltrate the host while being undercover. So much so that even agent 007 would be put to shame. It uses one of its glycoproteins to bind to one or more specific cell surface receptors on the host cell. This should not cause the misconception that a virus has only one strategy for entry. Don't be fooled, it has more of them up its sleeves. The ENV or envelope proteins of a retrovirus consist of a surface glycoprotein SU and a transmembrane glycoprotein TM which have a knob and a hairpin-like structure respectively. The function of TM is to anchor the SU to the viral envelope. Since SU is the protein which actually binds to the cell receptors in a lock and key fashion, it is the primary determinant of the range of cells that the virus can use to proliferate. Now that the boss has decided upon who to attack, the lackey TM has to help realize this task. The exposed N-terminal hydrophobic domain of this protein called the fusion peptide Unfolds and not unlike a syringe, inserts itself into the host plasma membrane. This brings the parasite and its victim together, facilitating their fusion. Finally, a tunnel called the fusion pore is formed and expanded to drive the viral core into its new base. And with that, the dawn of the end begins with replication. Hold up! Before that, let's get a basic idea about the genome structure of a retrovirus. From 5'n to 3'n, we have our Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, the three genes GAG, POL, and ENV, with the sites for binding of replication-facilitating molecules on both sides. Replication occurs after the retrovirus has undergone partial uncoating. And with that, it's time to pull out the big guns, the reverse transcriptase, aka RT. It is a pretty convenient multipurpose enzyme, having three activities. RNA-dependent DNA polymerase, RNA-SH and DNA-dependent DNA polymerase. Let's dive
0: into the nitty-gritties. Single-stranded positive RNA is used as a template for creation of a positive RNA-negative DNA duplex by the RT. First, an unbound tRNA acts as a primer and it attaches itself to the 5' end of the viral RNA genome at the primer binding site or PBS. The enzyme then adds DNA nucleotides onto the 3' end of the primer, synthesizing a negative single-stranded DNA which is complementary to the sequences present on the viral genome. These sequences are U5 or the non-coding region and R or the repeated region. Following this, the RNA's H activity of RT is utilized to degrade the U5 and R regions at the 5' end of the RNA. The tRNA primer then shifts to the 3' end of the viral genome and then synthesizes a DNA strand which hybridizes itself to the complementary R region on the RNA. Elongation of the negative DNA continues while the RNA's H degrades the positive RNA from the 3' end as far as the PPTA known as the polypurine tract. What comes into picture now is the DNA dependent DNA polymerase whose function is to make the complementary positive DNA strand. Before we get into this, can you visualize at what stage is the replication complex now? No, let me tell you. The positive RNA strand starts at the 5' end which has the PBS unit and ends at the 3' end which has the PPT unit. Opposite to this is the negative DNA which has the complementary sequences U5, U3, and R region with the wound tRNA at the 3' end. The DNA-dependent DNA polymerase extends the RNA strand using it as a primer to form a positive DNA sequence comprising of U3, R, U5, and PBS regions from 5' to 3' end. RNA's H enters the game again to digest the remaining RNA strand. The positive DNA sequence makes a jump which results in the dissociation of tRNA. The jump is such that the positive DNA strand uses the PBS region as a primer to synthesize a negative DNA forming a duplex again. The RT completes its activity by extending both the DNA strands resulting in the formation of the proviral DNA. This proviral DNA is circularized and transported to the host cell's nucleus where it is integrated, apparently at random, into the genome by means of the retroviral enzyme called integrase. Following integration, the provirus behaves like a set of cellular genes while the LTRs, the long terminal repeats, at both ends function as promoters which encourage the transcription of these sequences back into mRNA. This transcription is carried out by the RNA polymerases of the host cell's origin. That traitor! This process serves two purposes. One is the formation of more RNA transcripts that make up the viral genome of progeny viruses and the second purpose is for the translation of the RNA into proteins which are essential for the assembly of the viral body. Now comes the time to recruit its weapons. The assembly follows the translation of
2: the mRNA transcribed from the provirus. So, let's talk about that first. While the three genes are transcribed to be together, they are translated in two different locations. The ANV transcript is sent to the rough endoplasmic reticulum for translation, from where it is sent to the Golgi complex where the host protease proceeds to cleave the polyprotein into its constituents, SU and TM. During this, the gag-pol transcript is going through its own journey. It is translated in the cytoplasm into two types of polyproteins, GAG and GAG-POL mix. At this point, I would like to remind you as to the constituents of these translation products. GAG sequence holds the proteins that make up the coat of the virus. In GAG-POL combo, the only extra part comes from the POL, which holds the viral enzymes. Now that the arsenal of the virus is ready, the weapons need to be worn precisely. We now have separate travelers who have the same destination the lipid pi layer. The SU and TM protein complex goes and coats the outer side of the plasma membrane where the assembly is going to take place. At the same time, two RNA strands along with two host tRNA and the polyproteins arrive at their designated place. The two host tRNAs bind to the two RNA strands which have aligned themselves into a genome dimer. This dimer formation is facilitated by the GAG and Gag-Pol which arrange themselves into a missile formation around the retroviral genome, with the pol region on the inside and gag region on the outside in case of gag ball. It is worthwhile to mention that the assembly has a higher percentage of gag as compared to its counterpart. Now that the virus is all dressed up and ready to go, it's time to put on the coat and leave the house. What coat, you ask? The viral envelope. Think of it as the mask of Batman. It hides the virus's identity whenever it comes out of the bad cave, that is the host cell. However, the virus is no hero. The envelope isn't acquired via honest method but stolen from the host via a process called budding. The outer regions of the gag stimulate this event which looks like a bubble emerging out of water, except that instead of a thin soapy layer, the covering is that of the host plasma membrane with viral proteins embedded in it just one step remains before the virus becomes infectious. Maturation, it can take place during or after budding depending on the virus in question. Maturation involves the cleavage of the gag and gag fall polyproteins to liberate their constituents which make up the viral cover and the enzymes essential for its further replication in other cells. Now that the virus is at large again, it will continue its lifelong mission to replicate and replicate and replicate till such a point that the host dies. In
1: 1996, Sir James Watson said, If we don't play God, who will? We humans, being as resourceful as we are, have learned to use the advantages of adversity to further our own names. Did you know that your DNA is not entirely made up of genes? It has intervening sequences as well. Yeah, those are introns. In recombinant DNA technology, these introns can be a hiccup since the original version of a eukaryotic gene is very large, difficult to manipulate and virtually impossible to express in any other type of organism. That sounds like a tough assignment and nobody likes that, am I right? Since mRNA has had the introns removed naturally, it is used as the source of an uninterrupted coding sequence that is much more convenient for engineering and expression. One of the many ways mRNA is put to use is for converting the RNA back into a DNA copy called the complementary DNA or cDNA by the action of reverse transcriptase. Thus when amplifying eukaryotic genes by polymerase chain reaction, the cDNA version is often used instead of the true chromosomal gene sequence since this lacks the introns. There might be 99 problems but introns ain't one. The reverse transcriptase PCR technology is used to form as well as amplify the intron-free cDNA killing two birds with one stone. The cDNA produced is then used to establish a database known as the cDNA library. This cDNA library proves to be a rather beneficial resource as it holds only the expressed gene sequences and is thus heavily relied upon by the librarians, the rDNA technologists. Performing RT-PCR on an organism under different growth conditions reveals when a gene of interest is expressed and what environment induces the gene expression. If you remember, our discussion began with the mention of COVID-19 and ending it on the same note, I'd like to tell you that RT-PCR, or rather the real-time RT-PCR diagnostic panel is a molecular in-vitro diagnostic test, a tool in the detection and diagnosis of COVID-19. It is the quicker, highly sensitive, and a much more specific stepping stone to accurate diagnosis. And dare I say that's it. Our little villain here tries to do right by lending a hand in the detection of genetically modified organisms, phytopathogens, in clinical quantification and genotyping, and in maintaining the safety standards in food industry and water treatment plants. So you see, every coin does have two sides, and this applies to the mastermind retrovirus as well. Let's summarize all that has taken place
2: until now, shall we? The virus first attaches to the host cell and then enters. With all pre components ready, it initiates reverse transcription. The product of this, that is the proviral DNA, then undergoes transcription and translation by the host cell's machinery. Following this, the viral genome is replicated multiple times. All the parts are now available. It's time to start the assembly. After the assembly, the virus then exits the cell via budding Marking a journey of replication and destruction. Even though there’s a whole lot of ruckus created by this menace of a virus, it makes itself useful through RTPCR. Serving as a ray of hope is the thought that since we use
0: the virus, we can also defeat it. With this, the podcast for today comes to an end. If you liked it, then please subscribe to our channel and don't hesitate to leave reviews and comments in the comments section below. You can put requests for a podcast on a topic of your choice and we'll try to make one especially for you. Thank you. Stay safe
1: and see you soon with more of such content, fun and curiosity.